Good afternoon, Philadelphia and the Delaware Valley. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we are here to talk about real estate. We've got an amazing guest coming on from Keeping Current Matters on the second uh, and third segments of the show, David Childers. If you don't know what Keeping Current Matters is, Google it. But in short, they are the experts on what's happening in the real estate market, and they break down everything happening from a consumer side and from an agent side so we can communicate all that effectively to help people make well-informed decisions. You're pretty excited about this guest, huh, Stace? Yes, very. Love all the content they put out every day. Awesome. Well, that, that's their job, right? Mm-hmm. So what we're going to talk about first in our first segment here, because they're, they're calling in about 315, 320, somewhere around there, is the most recent news from the National Association of Realtors and the DOJ. And what we're talking about here is this, this, is, this is a pretty hot topic. I mean, th- th- this is what we, what we reference when we talk about disruption, because there is a settlement that was in place between NAR and the DOJ. And what we should probably start with is what was going on in the first place, which was there was, there was there's a lot of class action lawsuits. I mean, that where the DOJ and um, other people are, the DOJ sued NAR over antitrust and monopoly charges, um, suggesting that there might be some price fixing going on. Then there's also a number of class action lawsuits between um, where the named parties in the defendants are like Remax, Keller Williams, Realogy, who owns Coldwell Banker and Century 21, all the major real estate firms. So this has been going on for a little bit. And what happened here? Uh, the suit dates back to November, and it stems from the allegation that some NAR rules are illegal restraints on realtor competition. So settlements negotiated, everyone agrees. And then all of a sudden, the DOJ pulls out of the agreement. And we'll get into the the, the details here, uh, but the announcement happened on November 19th, where it was an 11-page long complaint that pointed to a handful of practices that regulators deemed anti-competitive. And that includes disclosure of buyer-broker commissions, allowing buyer-brokers to claim that their services are free, limiting access to lockboxes. That was kind of the gist of it. And... The complaint argued that NAR rules reduce price competition among brokers and lead to lower quality service for American home buyers and sellers. So what do you think about the suit first, Stacey, before we get into the DOJ pulling out of the settlement, which is kind of an unprecedented thing? Well, first of all, I didn't know about this suit. So, <laughs> so it wasn't that well broadcast. Um, I found it interesting that the DOJ brought the suit, but they also brought the settlement um, terms to the table also. Um, and when everything was agreed upon, uh, from my understanding in this article, um, the DOJ wanted to change their terms, which the NAR had already agreed to. So they couldn't come to another agreement because NAR said, no, we already agreed to what your terms were and the settlement, uh, so we're not going to change. And DOJ's like, okay, fine. They pulled out. So uh, I found that to be very interesting mm-hmm. because what what's going to be the next step? <clears throat> um, as far as what they're alleging, as far as um, <laughs> uh, bringing down the quality of, um, you know, of care for for agents because of the broker fees 
Um, I would definitely have to argue with that. Um, and I have a couple different reasons for that, but I'll just leave it there for, for the time being. But that's that's my take on this so far. Well, we're going to get into that. Um, and, you know, it, it, the, the, the point of this is that when you look at the, um, the suit, and there, there's a uh, Jay Thompson who used to work for Zillow, and now he's a writer for Inman, uh, Inman News. Um, he had talked about what we need to kind of be aware of. And, and he gave an opinion column on this, which I found very interesting. And I wanted to, um, because he really explains why this battle matters, because a lot of people, they might just think, well, who cares? This is just another industry cleanup. And, you know, certainly real estate has done things a certain way for a long time because they've always been done that way. So I I don't, I don't disagree with that from an outsider's perspective. It was really those, those four things, uh, disclosing buyer's commissions, number one, um, Buyer's broker saying it's free, uh, enabling buyer's brokers to filter MLS listings based on the compensation and limiting access to the lockboxes. So what Jay said is that why this matters is the the way they responded to the complaint where the complaint said, hey, we don't want it. The proposed rule changes are on hold for now and we want to explore other potential violations. So what do you think about that? (laughs) Potential other violations? (laughs) Meaning they're going to just start digging around for and look for other violations, I guess. Um, so they're going back to the drawing board. They're going to dig deeper, uh, I'm assuming. That's what they're going to do. And then uh, come up with maybe more restrictive um, items to consider for the NAR. Well, and what they said is that they they said in, in this, there's rules and conduct that need a broader investigation. And if I'm NAR, I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Right. Um, now, the interesting thing here is the timing of the withdrawal, mm. <clears throat> it coincides almost exactly with Linda Khan or Lena Khan being appointed the FTC chairperson. So part of me says this is political. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, a lot of these things are. And because of these several antitrust lawsuits, you know, I mean, the industry's under attack. We talk about mm-hmm. this all the time. Right. So knowing what, what's going on here, I mean, my guess is they're probably going to come back. They'll get to the table. They'll come up with some sort of settlement. Um, it, it is you know, frustrating that you have something agreed to and, and they pull out, which doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. What do you think this means for the market? What does this mean for buyers and sellers right now? Well, um, I guess it really depends on the outcome. Um, <laughs> because I think, I, I mean, the way that we operate personally, um, we don't advertise that our services, if we're a buyer's agent, we don't advertise that our services are free. That's something that's explained up front mm-hmm. uh, when you're talking to uh, clients. And um, so it could potentially open up the market um, for more discounted buyer's agents. Um, I know that we have, you know, there's already some of those brokerage firms that are supposedly discounted, but you don't know the whole story behind it. Uh, So I think that's what it's trying to do, just create more competition in that aspect. Well, I, I agree it's going to create competition. That's what the, kind of the antitrust thing is all about. And, and what, what I know is this, and, and my view is that there are agents that say, hey, it's free to work with me. Mm-hmm. Someone's paying that fee. I mean, right. that is clear. And the, the appropriate answer there, if you're an agent, if you're listening, is the sellers normally cooperate and pay buyer's agents. It's not all the time. They don't have to do it. And one of the things in this suit here that they're talking about is in order to get MLS access, I know you have to enter in some sort of compensation, even if it's only a dollar um, in, in the MLS. So to me, this is more about the future of buyer agency. Mm-hmm. And 
what we're we're going to talk about this we 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 uh at, within our team but if you're an agent right now that's working with buyers you better be prepared not just to show up open one door and hope they buy the house yeah you better be prepared to show them the reasons why you're useful in this situation the reasons why you can help somebody maybe save money or make a really well-informed financial decision or don't make a bad decision and how you're going to help guide them through the process because for a long time, and there, I mean, there's, there's, this happens a lot where buyer's agents are sometimes considered door openers. They just open the door, they let them in, and they don't do anything else. And that person's going to buy that house no matter who they talk to. They could have talked to you. They could have talked to me. They could have talked to, you know, Agent X over somewhere. I mean, it could have been anybody. They're going to buy that house because they're that well-informed. And that's the challenge I see here is that agents that don't know how to communicate their worth and navigate the process and explain how things work and and all the things that a good realtor does they're the ones that are in trouble with this because there's going to be those agent uh, those, those consumers that always don't want to pay the fees want to do things themselves mm-hmm. these are the same people that use legal zoom mm-hmm. that use TurboTax, that use webmd to figure out what's going on with something those people are always going to be out there and the folks that actually need and want help now that they're actually, even though they're they're paying for it, because I mean, if you you buy a home and the fees X, and the seller pays that and splits it between the buyer and seller, or pays out a portion of the buyer's agent, the buyer is paying for that. I don't care what anyone said; they pay for it in the price. Um, and there there is a spot on the MLS where if there's a variable commission, if the listing agent will take less to represent both sides, that has to be disclosed. So this is a, you know for all the agents that are listening. If you work with buyers and you want to keep that business going, you better be ready to explain your value in the transaction, communicate it, and deliver. Because if you can't, they will find someone else Mm -hmm. or they're going to ask you for less on the fee. Because that's that's where this is going here. Mm -hmm. Am am I off base? I mean, what do you think? I I agree 100% for sure. Um, And I also know that there's going to be a lot of, this is that unintended consequences that's going to create. Yes. That there's going to be a lot of buyer's agents who will gladly do the discounted fees. Um, But in everything, you get what you pay for, for the most part. So I'm a firm believer of that. So uh, if if you find um, a buyer's agent out there that's willing to go total cutthroat and, you know, do it for a half a percent, you might get that kind of service. And that could totally break down the deal. So, you know, know what you're getting into as a buyer when you're hiring on um, an agent to represent you because some of these deals go sideways quickly. And Mm -hmm. you might think you know how to handle it and what you're navigating through as a buyer, but you, you don't. And if you don't have, you know, great representation on your side, uh, that could come at, you know, a, a, an appropriate fee, then um, you can lose out on a lot. Not only deposit money, um, but time and uh, and your dream home. Well, you, you mentioned something interesting there. I mean, I, I've seen this happen. And, 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 you know, fortunately for us, and, and again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team since 2018. Fortunately for us, we have we believe in service. It's one of our core values. So we really commit to understanding the process. I mean, a lot of the education is what happens if this, what happens if that, I mean, these are our, Mm -hmm. these are things you work on every day. And 
you know, I, I, because of that, we've worked with a lot of people who had a bad experience with another agent. Yes. And I mean, that that's how I've literally built the entire business from when I was a single agent to where we are now. So fortunately, I know we're doing right by consumers and there, there's a value to that. That's just like when you go to the best attorney because you want the best result in the case or when you mm-hmm. got a serious problem with your health and you go to the best doctor out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. And the, these people, unfortunately, you hear these horror stories of, my agent didn't know the contract. They missed a deadline. I lost my deposit. Uh, they told yes. me they couldn't help. And this is real life. I mean, if you go just look look through realtor reviews, I mean, Google this stuff. It's all out there. And that's mm-hmm. why 87% of agents are out of the business in five years. So what this lawsuit's going to, and I don't, I don't really disagree with anything that was in the settlement. I, I To me, they all make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. The, the lockbox thing, th- that that's a no-brainer. You shouldn't have to be a realtor you can be a real estate salesperson and not a realtor. People don't know this. The lockbox thing's fine. Transparency, all four. I mm-hmm. think everyone should know what they're getting into. Yep. Uh, everything in that suit, I don't really have any issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it does seem political because there, now there's a new FTC chairperson and all this is off the table. You know, that, that's all fine. Um, I, I, I'm clear this will be worked out. The, the bigger challenge here is that the consumer deserves better, and it's you know, unfortunately it's really easy to get your real estate license, and no one tells you what to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and you know, and we run into a lot of those agents. <laughs> well, well, everyone does. Yeah. If you're doing any sort of business, when 87 percent of the people are going to be out of the business in five years, and that number has that's not scary. changed for the two decades I've been doing this, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. One thing I do want to, so if you're thinking about getting into real estate and want to avoid this, check out our real estate scholarship program. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com where we give you the right training. We set you up to win. Yep. More importantly, what does this mean for the market, Stacey? So you're a buyer or you're a seller. Is it a good thing, bad thing? What, what, do you, what do you think about all this? Because I know that's a lot of the people listening right now are those that are going to be consumers in the future. And we want to, we want to tell them what this all means for them as well. Well, it really depends. Um for the buyers, it depends on how on top of everything they are. I, you know, everybody's different. Some people, you know, they'll get right in their minds. I just want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. So they might not even know that, you know, the the whole business between the buyers and sellers and the representation and the commission splits and all those things. So it really depends on how in tune um, the buyers are. But, you know, that being said, as an agent, um, you know, sitting down with them and giving um, uh, your clients the best information and all the information so that they can make informed decisions uh, is key. So if depending on the outcome of this and what's being proposed, and I also am curious about the changes that the DOJ had reproposed the second time around that NAR did not Agree to. I, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, and unfortunately, we don't know that. I mean, yeah. that, that's you know. But I, I'm curious. I, yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, that, and, and there's there's going to be more here. There always is. Um, what, what I know about this is that these suits go on. It's a mm-hmm. long process. I mean, dealing with the government as slow as it is, dealing with a national trade organization equally slow. I don't know which one's slower. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a good bet to take. Uh huh. The, the point here is th- this is going to shine a light on something for agents that are out there that want to actually do right by the consumer. And if you're mm-hmm. if you're a buyer or seller, I mean, this is where it's so critical to ask the right questions when you're interviewing somebody. Make sure they can understand the process, mm-hmm. understand the market, you know, understand how the numbers are going to work because a lot of agents don't know how to do that stuff. And then they get into these transactions, something goes wrong, and it's a total disaster mm-hmm. because. No one knows what they're doing. 
And that, to me, is the equally important thing here is that the consumers need to be need to interview agents better. I mean, you should be asking questions like, how long have you been doing this? How many homes have you sold? Mm-hmm. What's the process like? I mean, this is basic stuff that you would ask anybody. I mean, you know, and a lot of times buyers just connect with the first agent they 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 work with the first agent they connect with excuse me so it, it to Sometimes, me it's yes. yeah I'm, well, it's a lot of the time statistically yeah. so the the point is that ask the better questions as a consumer mm-hmm. and agents be ready to answer them and I, I think mm-hmm. that that's what everyone needs to be prepared for here because this is this this isn't going to go away and the more transparent it is the more the, the more strict people when, when they're having to write that check instead of financing it in a loan which is usually what happens financing Two, two or 3% or 4% or whatever the number is, <coughs> we can't talk loan. about commissions, right. um, in a loan is a few dollars a month. Correct. Right. But if you're paying that out of pocket, it, it's, a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more steep if you have to pay that at closing. So I think that does make a big difference. Well, all of a sudden, it's going to be on the radar. Mm-hmm. So consumers need to be asking better questions. Agents mm-hmm. need to be ready to deliver service. Mm-hmm. And not just mail it in and hope for the easy sale because it is hard buying a house and it's hard selling a house and people don't realize that. There's That's nothing right. easy about what goes on in the real estate market. No, on all sides. It, it, it's a tough process. All right. So on that note, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break here. And once we take that quick break, we're going to get David. Is David on the line, Nick? Do we have him? He's not here yet. Okay. Well, we'll take a break. We'll pump him up. We'll talk about what's going on. And then once he's on, we'll have him jump right in. We'll look for the high sign from uh, Nick, Nick, and, uh, Nick, Nick, Nick and Brent here. And we'll be right back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Give me like a thumbs up. All right. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And again, we are the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware. We work with the Tom Tool Sales Group since 2018. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to have our next guest on here. 
David is one of the experts in the industry from Keeping Current Matters. I had the pleasure of having lunch with him a couple weeks ago to prep for the show down in Charleston, South Carolina. And, you know, I mean, he, he works for a company called Keeping Current Matters. Their mission is to change the way real estate advisors educate and serve their clients, which I love. And part of their website says that they understand it's impossible without our support. So they're counting on us. And it's really an obligation to educate people that are out there. So that's the thing I love about Keeping Current Matters. David, excited to have you on here. This is Stacy Mitchell from our team. We can see you. Hopefully you can hear us. Did I miss anything in the intro? Did I give you, I mean, talk to us a little bit about your background and your company real quick so the audience gets an idea and then we can jump into some of the stuff going on in the market. Sure. No, I'm excited to be on. Can you hear me okay? You're good to go. Wonderful. Well, Tom and Stacy, thank you for the invitation. And uh, it's my pleasure uh, to be on. You know, I was listening on for the last few minutes uh, of what you're talking about and excited to talk today, but at Keeping Current Matters, you know, here in our office, we've got an office in Richmond, Virginia, not too far from you, uh, where all we do is look at everything happening in the real estate market and feed that out uh, to consumers via great agents in the market like uh, the Tom Tool team. And, you know, we believe every family should feel confident when buying and selling a home. And, you know, right now, there we're going to talk about some things that are in the market. Some people go, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I, I want to buy right now. And so our whole mission is to educate uh, consumers. And we believe just like what you're doing, the conversation you're having, that the best agents are the ones that are the educators. To use your words in the last conversation, they're very, very good at understanding what the client needs and, and showing them how they're going to help them achieve those needs. So excited to be with both of you today. Well, we're, we're the same way. I mean, Stacy, I know it loves your stuff. I think she reads the blog every day. So every she's day. a little starstruck here, David. But uh, Oh, great. <laughs> the, 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 what you said, though, I love is that everyone should feel confident buying or selling a home because a lot of people don't. They're nervous. Sure. It's yeah. one of the most stressful yeah. things people go through. So, you know, in, in that effort, I know we got some questions. We want to talk about what's happening in the market here. Yeah. In order to do that, you hit on something that I, I just want to reiterate again, that the job of a great real estate agent is to be the knowledge broker, to be the guide in the process. And if you can't count on that with your agent, it's probably time to find a new one. So yeah. with, with David's information, I mean, and I, and this is, this is why we're so excited to have you on. I think everyone wants to know, like, how's the market? What's happening in the market? It's been a pretty incredible 15 or 16 months. I'm losing count since all of this yeah. COVID-19 stuff started. And what I've seen and what we've talked, we can talk about the past and you can maybe give us an anticipation on what's going to happen next in the second half of the year is that we saw a total shutdown. Then we saw probably one of the most incredible runs in the history of real estate for 12, 13 months. So where are yeah. we now? What's, what's next? Because I, I, there's a lot of people that are pulling back. Some people can't find a home to sell. They're nervous. Tell us what you see happening from the high level macro level. Yeah, there's a great question because no doubt, you know, you think back on last year and uh, when we all, you know, in this country and around the world were kind of faced with a pandemic and um, I'll, I'll speak for us here in our office, we thought we were going to go home for two weeks and then come back and, you know, everything would be good. And and yet we've just experienced this worldwide pandemic, the only one in our lifetime. Hopefully they, we don't experience it again. But here's what I'll, if I were to sum up real estate through the pandemic, here's what I would say. The meaning of home 
where people changed. People said, we're, we're living at home, we're eating at home, we're schooling at home, we're working at home, we're working out at home, and we want things different uh, in a home uh, coming through the pandemic. And, you, you know, the, the state of real estate over the last year has been that, has been people saying, you know what, if this is going to continue on, if this ever happens again, I want a spot for me and my family so that we can have the place that we need that meets our needs. And so that's caused a lot of people to say now is the time. We, last year, the average 30-year fixed hit a new record low 16 times. Think about that, 16 times. And so people said, yeah, we want to buy something. And oh, by the way, if we don't do it now, we're crazy. And, uh, and a lot of people said, you know what? I don't want to sell my home. I'm not going to put it on the market because I don't want to bring a bunch of people in, which makes a lot of sense. And, and so we just saw... Uh, you know, this this um, auction scenario for homes developed all over the country, and that's what we've been dealing with for, for quite some time. So, you know, I think, Tom, that's where I would position the market at right now. Now, we'll talk about what's coming in the second half, but as that impacts buyers, a lot of buyers right now saying, gosh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to buy a home, but I just can't. I'm getting frustrated. Uh, and uh, a new survey came out uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, from Fannie Mae. It's called the Home Purchase Sentiment Index, where this time last year, two out of three people said it's a good time to buy. And today, only one out of three people think that. Mm. And so I think that's an important point that we have to pay attention to. Now, I do think there's some things that consumers uh, need to need to look at in that. But I'll say two things. One, perception is reality in today's market. And if I wasn't in real estate, I'd be looking at real estate having those questions as well. That, that's a really great point because, you know, it's easy for us to say, here's what's going on because we do this every single day. And rea yeah. the reality is only 5% of the population is really maybe maybe 7% on a good day during that decision-making phase if they're really going to be doing something. So, you know, with that, I mean, you know, I can tell you what we've seen. And, and Stacey, I know you've noticed a lot of buyer fatigue. Mm -hmm. Definitely mm -hmm. more buyer fatigue. Um, there are the folks that are super motivated for, you know, different reasons. But there's some that are have backed off and are sitting on the sideline. And they're then a little tired. Yeah. What we've also seen is, you know, sellers are kind of holding on to the market a little bit. And, you know, there, there, there's a little bit of a bubbling of inventory, meaning like not much, but we don't have the June numbers yet. But through the end of May in our market, we went from a one month to a 1.2 month supply in the suburban counties. And in Philadelphia, we went from like a two to a 2.4 month supply. So we've seen kind of a 20% increase in inventory, even though it doesn't sound very large. Uh, so it, w what does that tell you, David? Or, or like, what, are, are, we, are we seeing kind of a, a shift from this, this uh, incredible appreciation and more normal appreciation? What, what, what does that tell you? as we head into the second half of the year? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So no doubt if we were to describe the real estate market right now in a lot of, a lot of areas across this country, uh, no doubt um, the markets uh, there that you serve, they're in a frenzy. A lot of people wanting to buy and not enough uh, available inventory. Now, there, there is a reason for that, and I do want to hit that for just a second. The reason for that is that building in this country for the last 13 years has not kept up with population. So we have to just understand this is what we have. Now, Stacey, you just mentioned buyer fatigue. The reality is we've seen record price appreciation in most markets, low inventory, uh, sales over list price, low days on market, low mortgage rates that I mentioned. And so it's created this 
you know, this frenzy in the market. And I think, Tom, going back to your point, if I was talking to a buyer right now, and we have buyers listening and, and those that are thinking about buying, is expect a turn in the market because it's already happening. You mentioned mm-hmm. inventory is coming back into the market uh, and, and slowly but surely. Now, I'm not here to say we don't have any inventory challenges. We, we still yeah, will. Yeah. And I would say this, too. Don't be fooled by that because the market is still hyper competitive. But serious buyers in the summer commit 100%. If you're not committed 100% right now in this market, I think you have to look at it and say, are we gonna are we gonna do it? Because the the risk right now is getting left behind as a buyer. Uh, and 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 I certainly I know neither of you would want somebody to do something they don't want to do, but I would never want somebody not to do something because they were misinformed. That's the risk right now. Well, that, that that's a really that's a really great point. So um, I, I know Stacy's got a question for you about forbearance, but mm-hmm. one one thing I want to uh, jump ahead to real quick is you mentioned you don't want people to not do something because they're not well informed. Excuse the double negative, all the listeners. Uh, <laughs> so that that with that in mind, I mean, w- what's at stake for those people? Because I think that's the big question here. I mean, what's at stake for someone that? thinks waiting is going to be the right move and the market's going to cool off in six months because I'm clear that's not the case. I know we've talked about this uh, off air here. That's not, I mean, you don't see the same thing happening either. I know Stace, you're on the same page. So what's at stake for those people that are maybe misinformed or don't have the right information or maybe just a little scared or nervous? Because I think these are all the emotions that people go through when they make these decisions. Sure. sure. I think they're, I think that's a very normal uh, emotion in this market. couple things I would say that first of all, the average equity in a home today is skyrocketed. So if you're thinking about um, doing something, or you think you have different needs, the question is, how much do you, you know, how much equity do you have in your home, and do you know that based on the market? So I think there's a lot of opportunity. One, that's what's at stake. We always say, whatever you buy today, you'll be bragging about in ten years. <laughs> but I do think there are people today that are counseling. Um, you know, buyers, hey, hold off until the market cools down. And no doubt the frenzy will cool down. That will happen. Yes. But I got to tell you, Tom and Stacy, I don't see any experts calling for depreciation in home values. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if you take an average price home in this country, it's say $350,000, the appreciation forecasted for the next years, uh, next year, next five years, is just over $99,000 in equity build on a home purchase today. And that's the thing right now that nobody's talking about. Everybody's talking about how hot the market is. And I think we remember 2008 and we're like, well, let's just wait till it all falls and crashes. Uh, and we have a very different scenario in this country relative to that. But I think there's there's equity at stake for buyers right now that if if they delay, that, that they miss out on. I totally agree with that. I've noticed that even from since late last year, the equity is much greater for those who were able to buy last year, as opposed to some of the buyers who decided to wait until into this year, um, because they're noticing that everything's even, you know, priced at higher points. And the big question is, are they still going to continue to wait and still going to miss out and, you know, still going to either pay more money for the same house or pay less for a lesser house. So I think that's what you have, what they're facing at this point too. Mm-hmm. Um, the question yeah. about forbearance, I get this a lot. Um, some okay. buyers 
they're holding out for this mass foreclosure that they believe okay. or they've been told that is going to take place sometime soon. Like there's going to be a whole mm-hmm. bunch of foreclosures hitting the market and that's the time that they're going to buy. How, what is your thought on that? Yeah, we, we have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me unpack that. Um, one, there's a couple of things. So forbearance is the tool that was given by the federal government to homeowners to help weather the storm of the pandemic. Now, remember back in 2008 in the housing crisis, we didn't have this and we had issues. And, you know, it's, it's a program that's helped a lot of people across yes, the country. Yes. But the headlines that are out there are so many people cannot pay their mortgage. Uh, so many people are in trouble. And there is, uh, there is uh, when you talk about homeowners and renters and you talk about eviction moratoriums coming up, there are going to be people affected. And I don't want mm-hmm. any of the comments to sound like uh, they you know, aren't considerate of those people because people will be affected. And I think we all know people that, that maybe you know, have had their incomes uh, reduced or, or had challenges through the pandemic, and we want to be sensitive to that. But you know, when forbearance started about a year ago, the big fear was everybody was going to opt for it because you really didn't have to qualify. You just had to say, I need it. And the storyline was 30% of mortgages are going to go into forbearance and every one of them is going to turn into a foreclosure. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. The, the high peak of forbearance in this country was uh, May of last year at eight and a half percent. Right now it sits at 3.87% of mortgages in active forbearance to put that into a number just below 2 million mortgages in forbearance. Now, as of the end of last month, just two weeks ago, um, the breakdown of people that have come out of forbearance is very shocking, and I'll give that to you. Uh, 45% of those coming out have come out paid in full. That's not something we hear talked about, you know, when you turn on the news uh, Mm -hmm. tonight at 6 o'clock, that one out of two people that came out didn't need it. And I'm not saying they took it incorrectly, but maybe they were a business owner and they, you know, they said, I don't know what tomorrow holds, so I'm going to go ahead and use forbearance. And they paid it off when they came out of it. 38% of people coming out have gone through a workout with their bank. They've gone through a rate and term refinance. refinance. They've, they've tacked it onto the back end. Banks are doing everything they can to assist the consumer in this. So the overwhelming majority have worked it out or pay or, or you know are good in that about 16 percent are still coming out that don't have a workout in place and those are the ones that we're concerned about mm-hmm. uh, that may you know end up in in a distress sale or something like that now here's the other interesting piece black knight which is a, a data service in real estate came out with people in active forbearance right now 96% of people in four parents have at least 10% equity in their home. That means they can pay a, they can put their home in the market if they had yep. to. And we don't yep. wish that upon anyone. Mm-hmm. They could pay a commission, put a little bit of money in their pocket, and hopefully get to the other side of the financial crisis they and their family are facing. So we don't see the, a scenario where there would be a rush of foreclosures. Will people be affected? They will, and there will be one, but but nowhere near what some people are saying, you know, the doomsday type scenarios uh, that people have talked about uh, relative to forbearance, because the numbers just don't prove it out. Excellent. That's great information. Thank you. Well, I, I love what you said there, because there, it's always the headline grabbers, and I think you got to be very careful of this right now, because 
if you look at year over year, I mean, you know, it, this time in July, we were Pennsylvania, especially we were just able to go out and like meet people for about 45 days, let alone see what the market was going to do. And they don't look at the data. Uh, you're, you're talking about people that are still in forbearance can sell their home and not take a loss uh, on average. Obviously, every situation is different and there's absolutely going to be people affected by this. Sure. But all the, you know, the kind of the 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 sub bullet points, right? The, the, the lower data indicates that the forbearance issue, it's an issue, but it's not as big yeah. of an issue as it sounds like in the headlines. And, and that's mm-hmm. what the, you know, that's the problem with not being informed, not knowing what's going on, not being educated and giving consumers confidence to buy and sell. So I think that's such yeah. a, such a big talking point here. Um, so real quickly, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We got David for two segments here. So make sure to stay on the dial. Um, we talked about what's at stake. So you, you very clearly said about $100,000 in equity could be at stake for those who wait. What about some of the non-financial benefits? Uh, I mean, obviously, the, these are the, these have been around for a while, but I, it seems like people are kind of forgetting about all this and throwing out all these other reasons to buy a home and why it makes sense. Do you have a quick couple of, of answers there for people that are on the fence right now, don't know if it's the right time to pull the trigger on a purchase or a sale, what are some of the non-financial benefits they should be thinking about for especially those millennial home buyers trying to get into a home ownership position? Yeah, I think that, you know, we've just come out of June, which is National Home Ownership Month in this country. Uh, and talking about the financial benefits, but also the non-financial benefits, we kind of started this time together talking about that. And I, I think there is no other time in history where home has become more important. And here's the interesting distinction I would draw in that. And I talked about all the things that we all know about what we lived over the last year. We're going to school at home, we're working at home, we're working out at home, we're all the things we're doing. But here's the interesting dynamic. I wanna kinda paint the picture for you. Coming out of the financial crisis in 2008, there were many people that kind of said, I think the American dream is dead. I don't know that buying a home is a good investment. I don't know that millennials are going to want to buy a home. And we're seeing almost the exact opposite of that today. Folks coming out of this, now different crises, I don't, I'm not debating that. One was a housing crisis. This is a health sure, crisis sure. pandemic. But coming out of this, home and what it means to people has been uh, renewed. And and people have said, you know what, Uh, the things that are important to us, security, um, having a place with a backyard, having a place, you you know, whatever their particular needs are have become so, so much more important. And one of the things I think you're going to see a shift in this country going forward is for so long, and I'll kind of touch back on the financial piece, We've seen home ownership as this pinnacle of financial success. Like if I can make it, I can go out and buy mm-hmm. a home. Where the reality is, is a lot of people are starting to see home ownership as the, the, the cornerstone of that uh, ability to build equity, ability to uh, have the non-financial benefits that home ownership brings, the ability to uh, benefit from a rate and term refinance that renters don't get up. And the other option is to rent. And I can tell you right now, Rent is going sky high. We produce national rent numbers on a monthly basis, and it's going up. It is going up. And so I, I, I think we're seeing a shift in the way uh, folks look at homeownership from non-financial and from financial reasons uh, that make it uh, very, very 
uh, attractive for those. And the, one of the biggest issues I think in our in our world right now, and certainly here in the U.S., is uh, you know homes on the lower end of any market that first-time home buyers and those that want to get into the market can purchase. We need more uh, more homes on that end, no doubt. Love it. Well, great stuff. And there, there's some more to unpack here. But what we're going to do right now, real quickly, is take a quick break. We got David Childers here from Keeping Current Matters. This is the guy you want to be talking to to get confidence in the home sale and home purchase process. We're live on WWDB 860 AM. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. We will be right back. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. So we got some new intro music here, not as happening as the other stuff. We are back on WWDV 860 AM. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell, and we have the world famous David Childers from Keeping Current Matters <laughs> on. You're laughing, David. People in the real estate space know who you guys are, and that's what we're trying to bring this to the consumer so they can understand. And really, it's a matter of just being the knowledge broker and being the person. And look, I mean, Steve Harney, who I mean, he's, he founded the company. Yeah. He, was, he was the Oracle, right? That's what Tom Ferry at least yeah. called him. So um, yeah. anyway, we're excited to have you on. And, and there's we got about 14 minutes left here in the show. So. What I wanted to hit on was you said something at the very end there and, and, and kind of bring this back up is that rent continues to go up. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I've never seen rent actually go down ever, at least as long as I've <laughs> right. been doing this. And we just saw mortgage rates drop below 3% at the beginning of the week again. Um, not the historic yeah. lows we saw last year, but a move in the right direction. So with that kind of affordability, with knowing that, that, that renter prices are going up, knowing that there's a lot of millennial home buyers out there trying to get into a home ownership position as we turn into the second half of the year. Yeah. Give us some ideas of what to expect. I got a couple sub questions here, but you're, you're talking to a buyer, you're talking to a seller. What are you telling them right now on the middle of July heading into the rest of 2021? Yeah. So, you know, we talked about what, uh, what to talk about buyers with, and I think the buyer conversation, if you're buying right now is, um, 
you know, you're engaging and saying, okay, I'm all in. You have to be all in right now. Uh, and we, we talked about that. I think for the seller side, there are a couple of things. We're starting to see more sellers come into the market. You mentioned it before, inventory growth locally there. That's happening nationally. So if if you look at this and you say buyers hang in there, sellers, they're coming. They're realizing, hey, we can sell our home for this. Um, you know, last uh, week nationally, we saw growth of inventory just over 10% and our measured at 10.9% growth. So we're starting to see that front end of a turn. Um, if I was talking right now with a seller, here would be my points. Don't be too unrealistic right now. There's more competition coming into the market. Those that are thinking about selling, wait and you'll miss out on an extremely attractive market. I mean, now is the time. It's never been a better time to sell. And I think, Tom, as we head into the, you know, we're in the second half of this year, but throughout the second half of this year, price appreciation will moderate as rates and, and you know, as, as, as rates continue to rise. Now, let's, let me break that down for you. And I want to go back to what I said earlier. There are no experts right now calling for depreciation in real estate. There are a couple knuckleheads on YouTube calling for it, but <laughs> there are no experts calling for depreciation in real estate. You look at forecasts for interest rates. What's the quick synopsis there? They're going up. The only question is by how much and by when. And there's an old saying in real estate, nothing changes until everything changes. 100%. The average 30-year fixed right now as measured by uh, uh, Fannie Mae is 2.9% on average across the country. You can go to their site and see it right now. Um, the other thing uh, is prices are expected uh, to continue to appreciate. The average price appreciation when you look at five leading experts, and that's NAR and MBA and all the ones that we follow uh, here at Keeping Current Matters, it's 8.9%. So 9%, let's call it appreciation, if not more, in homes this year. And interest rates going up, it's just going to cost more. So waiting is going to cost you more. And And listen, if you say it's not the right time, then that's it. But don't make a decision to wait because you've been misinformed and you think, you know what, we're going to wait on the sidelines until all this stops and I'm going to go snag a deal. That's not a strategy in today's market that's going to work. Well, you, you bring up a really good point there that rates are going up. I mean, I don't think there's any yeah. – even though we're seeing a little dip now, and they're, they're always going to dance around. That, that, that's any market. And when we uh, got together a couple of weeks ago – you had mentioned to me that the average mortgage payment is up like 20% right now or somewhere in that sure. range. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and to Stacy's point where you had some buyers that have waited and have like seen the market go up and it's not because of lack of information because that's what they decided to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's a painful pill to swallow mm -hmm. where, hey, now this costs me 20% more. So I, I think it's really important to understand what's happening with payments because we're not in New York City. We don't see these all cash deals all the time. I mean, we're dealing with people right. financing their properties and in, in our market specifically, and not that that's not all the deals, that's the vast majority of them. So I think that that's a really great point when you're talking about what it's going to cost. Um, <clears throat> what about affordability? I, I know you, you mentioned something about a Harvard joint study for housing and people yeah. worried about being in a bubble. So, and, and that's, I mean, how many times do you get the question about being in a bubble, Stacey? All the time. Uh, it's, <laughs> sure. that's something I can count on, that question. <laughs> <laughs> 
So there's a couple of things about that. Let's let's break some of that down. It's, it comes from the Joint Center for uh, Study for Housing at Harvard University just released their annual report, which, by the way, it's a free report. Great read for anybody that really wants to dive deep uh, in housing. But a couple of things that are happening right now. So we talked about interest rates going up and prices going up. That means uh, affordability, what the dollar will buy, is going to be compromised. Now, it's based on three things based on wages, interest rates, and prices. That's what makes up affordability. We've been the beneficiary of two things over the last year, rising wages and low interest rates. That is offset affordability to make homes very, very affordable. Now, what the, the, the typical response will be uh, is homes aren't affordable today as they used to be. Well, when you really go back and look at the numbers, and Tom, you've got access to all this. I know folks can reach out to you and get all of this. The question I always ask people is, as compared to when? And the truth is, over the last couple of years, yeah, homes aren't as affordable today over the last two years. Well, if you look back at the financial crisis in 2008, they aren't as affordable then either. But you go back all the way to 1990 prior to the, to the meltdown, and homes are actually today more affordable than uh, wow. They were back then. But I, I'll say this, affordability over the next you know, year to two years um, is, is going to get worse before it gets better. The mm -hmm. price is going up. Uh, builders are trying to build. Uh, folks will sell. There will be, you know, the, we get to a point in this real world that we live in that any of us look at any good. If you go into the grocery store lately, we know inflation is bearing down on us where you start to go, okay, I'm not a buyer at that price. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. It's a gallon of milk. It's a loaf of bread. It's a house. You go, okay, I'm not a buyer. And sellers go, okay, I'm now a seller at that price. Mm -hmm. And that's how the market will uh, determine itself and play out. So I think, you know, affordability right now is, 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 is at a great place based on interest rates. And I think the outlook is they're going to go up. You know, we talked about mortgage payments. The truth about the last year is two things happened in this country. To go back to it, it's a theme we've been talking about. Home became much, much more important to people, and people were willing to pay for it. The average uh, mortgage payment in this country has gone up by just about 20% since the first of the year. Expect to see that as a headline out there in the news because people are going to go, all right, mortgage debt is rising. People are paying more. I hear about all these homes selling over list price. Here we go again. Mm -hmm. And what we know about buyers right now is it's harder to qualify for a loan than it was back in 2008. Much, much harder. Uh, we know that a lot of buyers are bringing significant down payments to the table. Uh, and, and, you know, all of these factors, when we look at it nationally, do not support a bubble. This is simply a supply and demand imbalance. That's what we're dealing with now. I think there are markets right now, and there's particularly some on the West Coast that we're watching to say, we're seeing close to 20% appreciation in some markets in Idaho. That might be a, a bubble. Um, I think there could be uh, you know, scenarios with people where, let's say you, you have a $400,000 house that uh, you, know, you put on the market for 450 and that gets driven up to 500. That could be an individual bubble, but not a bubble supported by national dynamics. Uh, in, in real estate right now. And, and the truth is, too, you're starting to see much more of that in the, in the media uh, out there talking about it. It's just it's, it's a supply and demand imbalance. It's, it's no different than what we're seeing in a lot of parts, you know, other parts of the economy. Cars 
are harder to come by. If you've seen that, the price of a used car is up almost 20%. You go into a restaurant, they can't serve as many people. So as the economy comes back on track, housing will be no different. We just need more supply in the markets. Well, that's a great point. And, you know, even in a tough market, like after 2008, which I've been through, or post 9-11, I mean, there there's still going to be people that will maybe pay a number that nobody else will. And because the house yep. might be worth more to them than someone else because their kids are already in the school district or their, their family lives on the same street. So I think you, you I, I do agree with you. There's always going to be those individual bubbles and someone willing to grossly overpay, mm-hmm. but there's some controls with that too. If they're getting financed and they got to get an appraisal. I mean, and then we're, so, I mean, there are some things happening here that, I think prevent a bubble, but they're, you can't stop someone from paying more than they want to. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Now, let's let's be honest about one of the issues is appraisal gaps out of the market oh, huge. right now, you know, in, in different places. Guess what wasn't an issue back in 2008? Yeah. Appraisal yeah. gaps, right? You know, and so I think you're seeing people come to the table, and that's where I go back to to the willingness to say, okay, if we're going to buy this home, it's important to us right now. And if that means I'm going to come $25,000 out of pocket and I, and I have that, I'm willing to do it. And I'm not doing it. There was a, a term coined back in 2008, if you remember this, called irrational exuberance. Yes. And irrational exuberance was we're going to buy the house because it doesn't matter. By 6 p.m., it's going to be worth $50,000 more. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody is buying a home right now with that type of mentality. And that's what we saw back then, you know, cash out refinances, great example. You know, back then people were harvesting equity from their homes, you know, financing lifestyle thinking, you know, we'll go out and do whatever we want to do. This is never going to end. And we know it ended poorly there and people have handled equity differently. I mentioned the the equity in in homes today, the average equity in a home right now is $216,000. It's unbelievable. Huge number uh, in this yes. country, and that's 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 a home with a mortgage on it. That doesn't factor the ones that are owned free and clear. Um, and so, I think you're seeing consumers handle things differently, and what they're paying for, they're saying this is really, really important to me. Well, I, I agree with that, and I know Stace, you've seen the same thing. And with these mm-hmm. appraisal gaps, sometimes they're just saying, "Hey, you know what? I have the difference. Yep. Here it is. I don't want to lose this house." So right. that mm-hmm. actually would counter. Uh, any any sort of bubble talk because it's not like they're financing sure. that artificial money. They're coming up with it, and then yeah. that's a new value so appraisals can catch up. So I think that, that that's a really valid point. So we got a couple minutes here. Stacy, what do you got for David? <laughs> David, so yes. uh, just on a personal side, what keeps you motivated every day to bring all this great content to <laughs> the world? Surprise no, question. That's a, that's a great question. Um you know, back in 2008, when Keeping Current Matters was formed, uh, it was formed in the crisis when there were a lot of questions that agents didn't have good answers for. That's the truth. We used to joke around and say the worst thing that could happen in 2008 with somebody looking to buy a home was they would run into an agent. <laughs> if the agent would go, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We might all die. So what drives our team is the ability to make a difference in buyers and sellers' lives. Now, uh, Tom, you mentioned uh, Steve Harney, the founder of this company. Um, the biggest thing that, that I've learned and our team has learned from him is to care more about the person sitting in front of you than you care about yourself. 
And I think people in our business, you started off, you know, the time when I joined talking about agents that do a great job. And I know your team does a great job, one of the best teams in the country. Um, and, and, you know, being able to make a difference and see somebody achieve the American dream is what drives us, Stacy, every single day. Well, I appreciate your content because it helps me in my everyday dealings with my clients and I can bring better information to them. So thank you. <laughs> well, we're grateful for you. We always say nothing happens happens with all of this information unless great agents like you and Tom and the rest of your team get it out in the market. So for us, know that we're grateful for that and uh, grateful for the support of what you're doing to educate buyers and sellers in the market because we believe the educated buyer and seller, they're always going to win, no doubt. And so thank you for that. What a way to end the show. So if you want to follow David, go to keepingcurrentmatters.com. David, how do they connect with you on social? Instagram at Keeping Current Matters. Is that best? Everything's at Keeping Current Matters. So you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere out there. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you, my friend. Very grateful for you. If you're looking to follow our team, we are Tom Tool Sales Group on Facebook. Stacy is at the number two, M-I-T-C-H-C-O, to Mitchco on Instagram. I'm at TomTool3RD on Instagram for the third. Don't forget the E. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. We'll catch you next week.